You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alison Klein. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Alzamira. Hi, everybody. My name is Kwiget Ewans. I'm a member of the Squamish Nation and the Yogalanas Clan of the Haida Nation. You're listening to Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. We live, work, play, and broadcast from the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. This episode is going to be a little bit different because I have two different themes this time. But before I get into the two different themes and the two different ideas I have for this episode, let's put on our theme song, Possibilities by Key Sarah. The song you just heard is Possibilities by Key Sarah. Key Sarah is a mother-daughter duo from Ontario, and the daughter who is singing is on the autism spectrum. You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alison Klein. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Alzamira. My first theme and my first guest today is Amy Amanti, who I have interviewed many times before. She is a podcaster, actor, and overall theater person. She works for so many different organizations like Vocal Eye, 
the Arts Club, Barda the Beach, Accessible Media Inc. The list goes on and on with her. And she is involved with theater performance called Teenage Dick, which is happening February 5th to March 5th. Teenage Dick is Shakespeare meets Mean Girls with a disability twist. Thank you so much, Amy, for being on my show. Thanks, Allison. It's always a pleasure to be interviewed by you. Off the bat, what is the performance Teenage Dick all about? What was the inspiration for creating that performance? Well, I can't profess to tell you what the inspiration was because I'm not the writer of the of the show. Um, but the show itself, you accurately describe, we are, are kind of touting it as um, Richard III meets Mean Girls. It's in a high school setting. And uh, that's probably where the Mean Girls comes stuff comes in, right? In a high school setting. And um, Richard or Dick is our lead character and um, is a lover of Shakespeare's, lives with a disability, has a, a, a school friend that lives with a disability. So this particular production has two performers that live with disability playing two characters that live with disability. It's also in conjunction with Real Wheels. Yeah, so Real Wheels and Bard on the Beach are also a part of, uh, of this production. So Real Wheels is a, is a co-producer and Real Wheels is a disability, well, uh, it's a disability theater company, but does in, a lot of integrated casting for professional works and a lot of community theater with uh, members from the disability community. I happen to be the board president of Real Wheels um, and they've been around for, it'll be their 20th anniversary this season, started by James Saunders, who's a wheelchair using actor here in the city of Vancouver. And um, it's a, a wonderful theater company, but because we have, we, I'm going to be saying we a lot because I'm we with Arts Club, but I'm we with Real Wheels and I'm we with, <laughs> we with the Bard, um, but it'll be, um, uh, you know, there, there was, there was support that we were lending in terms of casting around disability. And it just seemed like the right fit to be able to have a disability theater company um, on board to co-produce. What was the inspiration behind co-producing with all three different theater companies? Well, I mean, Real Wheels brings in the uh, the disability expertise to some extent, and Bard on the Beach brings in the uh, Shakespeare, um, you know, experience, so to speak. And there's not a lot of heavy Shakespeare in this. So uh, for folks who are not well versed in Shakespeare, I don't want that to be a deterrent because um, it's absolutely gloriously done in this piece. And uh, an arts club, of course, is is uh, the big stage that it's all going to be performed on and directed by Ashley Corcoran through the arts club. So it's, um, you know, oftentimes we say many hands make light work, and this is just a great example. I've heard that expression before as well. Many hands make light work. And I'm excited to go watch it as an audience member, because it's, not only does it have representation of the disability community, but it also has many performances that are disability friendly, like mm -hmm. ASL interpretation. Vocali is helping with patrons who are blind or partially sighted. And there's relaxed performances for people who are neurodiverse like me. Yeah, so there's a lot of, we're doing a lot of um, uh, accessible offerings, you're right, and some ancillary programs around the production. Unfortunately, we were not going to be able to do the ASL interpretation for this production. We've been working with the, some members of the deaf community on making sure that whatever gets done with ASL interpretation is the most equitable thing possible for the community. So instead of just choosing it and doing it for them, uh, we want to do it with them. And so we've got some feedback that this just may not be the right fit for ASL interpretation. And so we will take that to heart and look for a future project that is a better fit. Um, and a lot of that comes from the fact that this is set in, in, in thrust. So uh, the stage, if you think about the stage as a, as a square, the seats are three, three sides of that square and then the back wall. So if you can imagine if you're a deaf person, what this means is that the actors often have their back to you, but as hearing people, we can hear where they are in the space and we, we can hear their lines. But as a deaf person, if you're sitting in a seat where you can't see somebody's face and somebody's body language, 
or the proper position of an ASL interpreter, that's not very equitable, right? So just not the right project and that's okay. Um, we have some other programming for our, our um, theater lovers in the deaf community that I think is going to be really exciting coming up. So maybe that's another interview at another day, Allison. But in terms of relaxed performance, we definitely have one of those. That's going to be on March the 4th. And the relaxed performance environment will be um, uh, less seats sold. So only 100 audience members as opposed to up to 220-ish audience members. So you can move around in your seat. Um, you don't have to feel like making noises as a bother to the actors because it's absolutely welcome in the space. Um, you know, you can come and go from the space as you need to. The house lights will be up at half. We'll have a visual story for folks if they want to access it. Um, we'll have a relaxation table outside the theater. So if you need to step away because you're feeling overstimulated or just need to give your mind a break, there's a opportunity to visit the relaxation station and like doodle or color or play with fidget spinners, just stuff to get your mind off of things. Um, so that's the relaxed performance, um, and that's going to be again happening on March the 4th. The audio described performance by Vocali is going to be happening on March the 5th, which is the closing performance. And that's where audiences who are blind or partially sighted get a little headset and earpiece. And it, it were described to us what the costumes are, what the set is, what the characters look like, and the movement of the characters between the lines of dialogue so that we can follow the show equitably. Uh, I, I say we because I'm a blind person. And, um, and that means that I can enjoy the theater alongside anybody else, yeah. So those are the two sort of, uh, from an audience member's perspective, of course, there's in thrust because there's a three um, three front row seats essentially because there's from three aspects there's lots of accessible seating available we've got body positive seating should somebody want a more sturdy chair uh, that's available so there's there's lots of things that we're doing in order to try and make our audiences feel much more included in the space that's amazing to be able to have as much as possible and be mindful that we can't always be accessible to everyone all of the time, but to try to be as accessible as possible and work with the disability communities, not yeah, just yeah. one community. Now, considering that it is with mainstream theater companies being barred on the beach and with yeah. the arts club, now I've seen that mainstream theater companies are trying to be accessible for the disability communities and make that effort. Recent years, where's that drive and where's that push for mainstream theater companies to make it accessible? I think that's a great question, Allison. I think a lot of that has come from the community saying we want to see shows we want to be in theater we want to be involved we want to be in the audience we also want to be actors on stages and so the the louder our voices get the more i think mainstream theater companies uh who may not have had disability on their radar are now starting to think more particularly about it i think also the pandemic um in some cases did a lot for accessibility in that um you know we were thinking about about how people were going to engage with content from their homes right um so there was a there's a, a there's a i guess they call that a perfect storm of things that come together that really push and then of course you have people like yourself and people like me who really want to be involved in these industries and have come up against barriers and so are advocating for change within with from from the inside out and i think that also is is helpful when we have people with disabilities in our environments we don't get forgotten about that's what I've been seeing is that it's it's a combination of two different events of having louder voices from the inside out and then having a, a global pandemic. Yeah, I'm sure there's there's quite a few things. And, you know, Teenage Dick is is um, I was in rehearsals the other day with with the production, just seeing the first couple of scenes in the first couple of days of rehearsal. And already I'm like, oh, this is going to be a fun show. Um, there's of course like some content warnings and some things that people need to be aware of um, some subject matter that's that's difficult but theater also asks us to have difficult conversations right that's part of the beauty of theater is it stretches us as individuals outside of our own lived experiences and outside of our own sometimes comfort zones and boundaries to experience something different through somebody else's lens right um but all the content warnings and things like that will be a part of the visual story, certainly for the relaxed performance and on the website for 
ticket holders that want to go to any of the performances. But Allison, I'd love to tell you about like the Crip Cabaret and stuff. Also, other events that are connected to Teenage Dip. What mm -hmm. are they? Okay, thank you, because I'm so, I, I mean, I'm excited about the whole thing. It's, it, the timing feels right for all of this stuff. And, um, and again, it's all coming together really nicely. So Teenage Dick, is the, the show is going to run for approximately four weeks. And around those four weeks, we're going to have a couple of other programs that are available. So one of those programs is a disability artists market. So this show is happening at the BMO Theater Center. That's our Newmont stage, which is 162 West First Avenue in Olympic Village, Vancouver. Um, and so it's got a really nice atrium space, big glass walls, a lot of space where where we can set up tables for folks in the disability community who are maybe potters or knitters or painters or jewelry makers or whatever their art form is to be able to come and have a, a table um, where they can sell their their wares to folks who are coming and going from the theater production. So the disability artist market is going to happen on two days. One is the day of the relaxed performance, which is great. And the other one is is February the 26th, which is the day of our Crip Cabaret. That day is going to be a long day because it looks like this, Allison. Disability market open at one o'clock. Teenage Dick starts from two o'clock to about 3.30. Then the market continues afterwards. And then for just a little bit, and then the Crip Cabaret, which we're calling the Crip Cabaret, a reclamation. It's a reclaiming of the word Crip is happening at seven o'clock. It's a one time only event, really informal cabaret style where folks from the disability community have been invited to come up and share their work. It's a curated event. So we know who's coming and we know who's sharing. Tickets are five bucks. They're five bucks for that show. So come and see the Crip Cabaret, come and support the disability community tell your friends about it. Um, this is how we increase representation of disability experience on our stages. So we'll have poetry and storytelling and songs and the, all sorts of things on the Crip Cabaret. And I'll be hosting it. Ooh, that'll be so exciting and very interesting to hear about that. I actually should mark that on my calendar. To you should. Come. Bring all your come. friends, Allison. Five bucks a ticket. If there are folks that have barriers to ticket pricing, we'll, we'll reduce the ticket to zero. <laughs> But to be able to go to all three events that day. Yes. And then you just have to come back for the relaxed performance if you want to the next week. I so, plan to see the show a couple of times. There's so many amazing events. And this is one amazing event to be able to, to go see. Seeing the rehearsals, what do you think audience members will take out of this performance, Teenage Dick? That's a good question. Um, you know, we've, we're just in the beginning of rehearsal, but I think, you know, there's some opportunity to um, sort of witness a disability experience, the opportunity to witness what internalized ableism might look like uh, when somebody in the disability community uh, plays the disability card, which I think we all do to some extent. It's when when there are so many barriers out there, when you can get a perk for having a disability, you take it, right? Um, so I think it I think it plays with the nuance of the disability experience in the container of a high school setting and high school students and some of the challenges that just come with being in high school and um, and all, all of those things, all of those ingredients in this recipe, I think, are going to make for a really tasty show. There's my there's my my food metaphor for you. I like food metaphors to be able to to have the barriers and then internalized barriers for someone without a disability and how about for crip cabaret yeah the crip cabaret a reclamation i think is going to be there's a you know everybody who's in it is going to create their own work so we're going to have some some songs we're going to have some things that are like disability empowerment we may have some things that are like real raw experiences that people have come up with. And to be honest with you, um, some of those pieces haven't quite been written yet and artists are working on it now. There's going to be a dance performance um, that's happening with two uh, mobility using device dancers. Um, I, so I'm so excited about what everybody's going to bring to the table. And that is part of the fun of a cabaret style, right? It's like short little five, 10 minute pieces back to back. And um, and I, I just, I, I hope that people come away saying, uh, seeing the talent from the disability community and um, 
that we're there to represent, right? We don't want long for me. I feel like long are the days where we take our people with disabilities, hide them in the basement of our houses, hide them in like, you know, facilities. We're here, we're a part of community, we're a part of society. Darn it, we want to be seen. And I think that that's a part of what we're doing with a Crip Cabaret or Reclamation. And with Teenage Dick and having the artisan market as well. Absolutely, you're right, all of that, all of that. And you know, for me, Allison, I would say like, it's great, it's absolutely wonderful to have actors that live with disability playing characters that we live with disability on such a, a large theater stage, like large, largest theater company in Western Canada. Um, that is fantastic. True equity for me personally will be when actors with disabilities are playing characters that don't have a disability, right? Because if 25% of us in the, in the country live with disability, 25% of us on our stages are not disabled characters, right? So if we have a play, I don't, I don't even, I, you know, we just recently did at the Arts Club, which was fantastic, uh, The Sound of Music, fantastic production. And we're casting the Von Trapp family who, you know, traditionally is a white family from, you know, from, from, from Europe, from during the World War II, right? Like it's, it's a white family, but in our production, it's a multi-diverse group of kids that are playing the Von Trapp family. And there's been a lot of pushback by some people that have said, well, the Von Trapps in your production are like one of them's like a Chinese Canadian, one of them's right. And it's like, what does it matter? In the, in the convention of theater, we buy into the storytelling. So for me, it doesn't matter what the, what the background in terms of racial experience is of some of these characters. We have room to do what we call color conscious casting. Now I want to see like, conscious disability casting. So why isn't one of the Von Trapp kids using a wheelchair or blind? Why does that matter, right? So for me, equity would be about characters that aren't written for disability, but somebody with a disability in that role. And not just like disability, but to be mindful of everyone and racial and gender and yeah. the intersections of all of this, right? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Because we could talk about on and on and on at nauseum about just disability or just racism or just gender inequality or just uh, LGBTQ issues, but to have those intersections as well and to learn from different marginalized communities and take what's working into our own communities. Yeah, just to just to be um you're right to acknowledge the intersections to embrace the intersections to be empowered by the intersections like these are all things these are all places that i hope that we get to and i think we're moving in the right direction but i will be honest with you nothing ever worked nothing ever moves fast enough for me <laughs> because i have been in my disability body for a long time and i think sometimes to myself it's not that hard come on the rest of the world it's not that hard you know get up to speed so we're moving in a forward momentum. That's a good thing overall, but it will always never be fast enough for me. And I think other people with disabilities feel the same way, that it just, that the world doesn't move fast enough. The world does not move fast enough. <laughs> for an actor or an audience member or a high school student with a disability who wants to break into theater or acting or any of that, What's one piece of advice you would give to them? Oh, you know, that's a question that I ask on my radio program all the time, Allison, is the piece of advice that we would give to somebody who's just on the periphery thinking, how come I can't do this? Or why am I not doing this? Or how do I get involved in this, right? Like there's all sorts of questions we ask ourselves. I would say there's a couple of things that you can do is, is get to know your local theater companies. If you want to get involved in theater, there are a lot like, you know, theater terrific is doing great work with neurodiverse communities, super welcoming environment, super inclusive environment. Um, so theater terrific real wheels, of course, is doing great work. There's lots of theater companies that are doing really good work within the disability community. Um, there's also really great like workshops that can be taken. Right, so the arts club does workshops, for example, uh, and, and in the past handful of months we did a, a workshop for artists or just anybody from the disability community who wants to learn how to create monologues representation through monologues. Um, 
we've done improv workshops we've done so many different types of workshops often they're really they're they're free or they're very low fee and then you can get a step in for two hours and go "Hmm, maybe i like this thing i'll explore it further or "Hmm, maybe this thing isn't for me right but it's a place to like test the waters dip your toes in and see if it's something that is right for you and I think if we just put ourselves out there a little bit, like it was the hardest thing for me too, because I was an actor before my disability. But afterwards, I lost my confidence. I thought, oh, nobody's going to want to see me on stage. And it wasn't until I found Real Wheels that I was like, wait a minute, there are actors with disabilities on a stage. How do I get involved? So sometimes it really just it takes seeing the right show or being with the right people and just not being afraid to say, how do I get involved? Because getting involved doesn't mean that you go from zero to 100. Sometimes you start at step one and that's exactly the right, you know, if we skip all the steps, then we get in too deep. But if we just, you know, start in slowly and work our way up, there's a lot of gifts that can be found along the way. A lot of joy. Before getting contact information, Amy, and how to find Teenage Dick and the Crip Cabaret and the Artisan Market, what's one piece of advice you would give to a theater company or festival mainstream to be more accessible or to learn more about the disability experience? Oh, I mean, those are loaded questions for, you know, just a couple of minutes, but I would say uh, that bringing in access is totally worth it. Um, that, that people with disabilities want to be a part of what's going on. So the other part of that is invite us to the table to have the conversation. Don't do anything for us, do stuff with us, right? So bring in consultants um, to talk about accessibility, maybe even hire some consultants. And that's why we use the word consultants. Consultants get paid for their work. Thank you very much, right? Um, Hire folks to do some outreach because we have connections with the communities that mainstream theater companies don't have connections with, right? So hire us to do some of that work. Uh, make sure that you're choosing theater venues in and of itself that are accessible if you've got two stairs up to your theater venue can't get there if you're a wheelchair user right so picking the right places picking the right content you know engaging with the community you really have to build a relationship with the disability community if you decide tomorrow to do an audio described performance and you don't have a relationship with the blind community nobody's going to come because they don't know about it so building the relationship with the community is just as important as being able to uh, have accessible programming in whatever way you look at it. That is so true to build that community and go and talk to people and consult with people from the community. How can the listener find Teenage Dick and the Crip Cabaret and the Artisan Market and just attend? Yeah, so everything is on the Arts Club website artsclub.com and there's uh, like current shows so you can buy your tickets to Teenage Dick there if you're looking for accessible seating or vocal eye performances um, there can be some discounted tickets available so it's best for folks to call the box office and that number is 604-687-1644 you can call the box office uh, and they can give you any information that, that you want but you'll also find information on the website about the Crip Cabaret and about the disability artists market as well. So you just got to do a little, just got to do a little research and a little digging on the, on the website and you'll find some stuff that, uh, that works for you. And from a, an access perspective, um, all of the shows at the arts club this year have audio description. That's been a 10 year relationship with the blind community. So at this point, all of the shows are available with audio description. So whether you're seeing forgiveness or, uh, a million dollar quartet or any of the other shows this season they all have audio description some of them will have relaxed performance i think the next relaxed performance will be a show called um uh georgia mcbride the legend of georgia mcbride uh so there'll be a, a relaxed performance for that one um so just you know checking in on our website uh and especially if you go to um under shows and events there's a heading called special performances and that lists all of the talkbacks. It lists all of the Q and A's with audience members. It lists all of the accessible programming. So that's where you can find out about things like relaxed performances and audio description performances moving forward. What's the most exciting thing that you're looking forward to for Teenage Dick and the Artisan Market and Crip Cabaret? Oh, well, I'm looking forward to all of it. Um, I think it's all great. But I think for me, the idea of the Crip Cabaret, which is something that I proposed 
feels near and dear to my heart because it it was my idea, right? It was I'm curating it, I'm inviting the guests, I'm doing the lineup, I'm doing all the organizing. So it feels really close to home and to be able to be the host and maybe perform a piece myself feels really um, feels really soul nurturing. Thank you so much, Amy, for talking with me today. Thank you, Allison. Don't go anywhere because there will be more on the self-advocate with your host, Allison Klein. Vancouver Cooperative Radio is an innovative, nonprofit community radio station with a mission to produce creative and engaging programming for communities whose voices are underrepresented in the mainstream media. We need your financial support to help us achieve this mission. By donating today, you will help us to continue to provide training and access to equipment for over 300 volunteers who produce 140 hours of original programming in over 10 languages. Our radio station is located in the heart of the downtown east side, and since 1975, we have celebrated the rich cultural diversity of the greater Vancouver area through our arts, music, and spoken word programming. Please support alternative community-based radio. Donate today by visiting coopradio.org forward slash donate or calling 604-684-8494. That's 604-684-8494. You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Allison Mira. So I'm going to be redirecting a little because February is Black History Month. And in honor of Black History Month being in February, which is coming up really soon, I'm going to be talking with Siobhan Barker, who is an artist, a disability rights activist, and works with I work with a few people so maybe I can I can jump in Allison thank you so much um I I do work with Hogan's Alley Society I am the director of community care I also work on the advisory with Vines Festival and uh and you and I know each other um, from other festival work that I've done in the past. I also am uh, an independent consultant around equity, disability justice, um, inclusion, diversity work, and um, accessibility audits. So I have a few different hats in addition to being an artist myself. So I'm a professional storyteller. So. Um, I know we just have a short amount of time today, but I do hope that this will whet people's appetites to go and investigate further um, because oftentimes the history of uh, Black history in Canada is actually something that's often invisibilized. And um, in order to contribute to daylighting um, that past, as well as current and future activities, um, Hogan's Alley is committed to that work. Um, in addition to um, a focus on the area that was previously known as Hogan's Alley, which was really uh, a, a robust Black community um, that existed in Vancouver. So please do check out the um, Hogan's Alley Society.org uh, website to get some wonderful historical information and learn about some of what we're, uh, we're engaged in now. It is so important because we don't hear much about Hogan's Alley or Black history in Canada or Black history in Vancouver, which is very, very important because there is Black history. There is non-white history in Canada. That is the major, major thing. And to have diversity and equity for people with disabilities who are not white, those intersections I like to say most uh, definitely and as you as you say that Allison you know it's so important that um 
you know, coming from a racialized community in Canada uh, is in particular to have this understanding and um, humble ourselves in terms of our relationship to being uninvited guests on this unceded um, land that we're on. Um, currently, uh, the land of the Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, Kaykwat, Stolo, and Musqueam nations. Um, and, you know, even as we're doing these virtual uh, events, it's so important that we, we take time to acknowledge and in particular to, to name um, working in solidarity with the first peoples of this land. The caretakers of this land, the first peoples. Definitely. And for the listener, Hogan's Alley is very close to co-op radio, to the, the station the station being in the downtown east side and Hogan's Alley also being in the downtown core area. Yes, indeed. I mean, in terms of the uh, the geography of, um, of Hogan's Alley, it's sort of, the alley ran between um, Union and Prior Streets, um, just off of Main Street. Um, and, and then all the way stretching over to like Jackson Avenue. And this was an area that was home to uh, Vancouver's Black population. Um, you know, and about 50 or so years ago, the, um, the Georgia Viaduct was constructed and it actually displaced um, this community. And it contributed to the further invisibilization of the Black community in Vancouver. So um, our work is focused in that same uh, downtown core, but it extends to all of Metro Vancouver um, in terms of where our focus uh, um, uh, encompasses. That displacement of the Black community in Vancouver, but then now expanding that reach to all of the Black community within the Lower Mainland is great to be able to include more people and bring light to a community that not a lot of people knew about or understood. It's a, it's a, um, it's a forgotten time in, for some in the history of um, what we are calling um, Vancouver, because of course this is a an, uh, an anglicized um, non-indigenous um, renaming that happens quite continuously. Um, but as we look at the history um, of Black Strathcona, um, you know it's important to note that the areas that the community has spread out um, into does really encompass Metro Vancouver. There are certainly initiatives that we're undertaking to bring focus to the area that I've referred to um, with things like the cultural center um, and uh, the um, single resident occupancy housing unit of Nora Hendricks Place named after um, the namesake uh, Nora Hendricks, uh, grandmother to Jimi Hendrix. And um, and then, of course, right now, we're actually engaged in a very um, significant and meaningful um, uh, uh, housing solutions um, survey and lab to really give an overview and assessment of um, what Black residents are facing in terms of accessible, affordable housing. Um, in Vancouver and to some extent across Canada, really. Um, it's, the goal is to develop um, sustainable housing and communities um, with a focus on, on seniors and refugees and immigrants um, and uh, you know, uh, an understanding of, um, of the barriers faced inside the Black community and how that intersects um, for some, additionally, with um, disability justice and access needs. That is such large and important work to be able to see those 
those intersections and hone in and then find ways to find solutions and find better accessibility, better environments for those intersections like disability, immigrants, refugees, seniors, the whole gamut. You're so right, Allison. I mean, again, now the survey is not um, is not the uh, an area that I'm responsible for. I'll speak about the areas that I'm responsible for shortly, but it is um, under the heading of Hogan's Alley uh, Society, and it um, it explores uh, you know topics around um, forced moves, housing discrimination, um, subsidized housing. Um, you know, uh, uh, financial barriers that contribute to um, the, the uh, you know, uh, the Black diaspora of, of Metro Vancouver and beyond um, having less access to equitable and affordable um, housing. And so that is something the survey is still ongoing through the month of February. Um, and the link for the survey is available on that same Hogan's Alley website that I um, listed previously. So please do, if you are a member of the Black and African diaspora, please do um, check out the survey online because it's really in gathering that information that we're going to move the needle on change. Now, speaking about the programs that I'm responsible for as the director of community care, um, there are three programs under um, uh, my purview. One is a program that uh, ties in quite closely to the um, affordable housing uh, um, project, and that is in support of um, individuals who may find themselves um, underhoused, uh, homeless, with precarious housing. Um, and those needs uh, can be quite extensive. They can be quite time specific. Um, it is something that is exclusively available to uh, Black and African um, people uh, in terms of accessing the resources that are connected to that program. But that is certainly um, one that we're very uh, pleased to be able to engage with community around that and support with, um, with emergency housing and some other areas around basic needs um, that connect to um, homelessness and precarious housing. And another program inside the community care department is the garden and mentorship program. And this is a wonderful program because it allows for a deep connection with the land. And that's one of the things as a stolen people that um, we have a disconnect to, uh, you know, for those that are not of the continent, um, that perhaps those uh, histories and records have been um, actively erased over time, reconnecting to the land um, and ancestral teachings is a real um, integral piece of celebrating um, our culture. And so the Garden and Mentorship Program uh, is an opportunity to reconnect with the land around what's being planted, what's nourishing our bodies, what historically um, has been planted, and those food ways that have brought so many different things into the North American diet. Um, we, we often uh, have, have had that linkage to the African continent invisibilized as well. Part of um, devaluing uh, a people is erasing all these significant contri contributions um, to, to what has been uh, gifted to, um, you know, the, the larger global population. That is such a great point to be able to recognize that, that history and recognize that 
oppression and then turning it around and seeing how to almost liberate and free and come back to cultural sense like gardening and having foods that are almost comforting to that person and that person's culture and with that don't go anywhere because there will be more on the self-advocate on CFRO co-op radio 100.5 FM with your host Allison Klein. Join me, Derek White Sky Cloud. I am your host every Wednesday night from 5 to 6 p.m. for Métis Matters Radio, where we discuss why Métis matters and the worldwide matters of Métis people. From the past to the present, every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. on Vancouver's Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alison Klein. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Alison Mira. Right now, I am talking with Shervon Barker, who is a disability rights activist, a community development director at Hogan's Alley. They do many, many different events and festivals and help with the art scene in Vancouver including the Fringe Fest, where we have met, and the Vines Art Festival. They do many amazing work. Turning the tables a little, Siobhan, what lights your fire to being an activist and a disability rights activist and working for Hogan's Alley? Well, that's a great question, Allison. I'm very passionate about... um, about daylighting elements of of black culture. Um, And I love um, to be able to bring things in story. Um, I'm a professional storyteller. I often build in elements that are uh, historically based um, and with an element of fantasy to bring forward um, information to uh, to the community. Um, and that really, that oral tradition is part of um, ancestral practice, um, which is actually the third program that falls under my department um, as director of community care with Hogan's Alley Society, is the ancestral teachings or cultural support program. And what that does is it turns the focus to ancestral teachings. And I mentioned the land, the other elements that we are embracing and elevating are that of the spirit, um, that of the body, how we care for ourselves, right? And that of the mind, right? How we how we bring in information, education, and uplift a community that is um, continuously um, engaged with all manner of trauma associated to. Um, to racism and anti-Blackness that is still quite prevalent in Canada. People often think that that's an American issue, and that's unfortunately just not the case. The same as how the lens of history often focuses on African-American history, which is more readily known, but there is African-Canadian history and a real wealth of individuals and organizations that have been contributing to the fabric of this country, um, as we call it, uh, Canada, otherwise known as Turtle Island, um, for so, so many generations. When I was in school, I never really learned about African-Canadian history. And to hear that we need to know more we need to learn more about African Canadian history because like you said there is still a lot of racism anti-blackness so learning more and seeing what you do with the intersectionalities and coming back to the land what do you hope for the future for these intersections and for 
your work with Hogan's Alley and for African Canadian people? Well, my hope um, in terms of what I'm working towards most uh, actively right now is to help um, develop Hogan's Alley Society to be a source um, for learning and experiencing um, happenings that are that are connected to the Black and African diaspora in the Metro Vancouver area. Um, in terms of my arts practice, it's to be able to engage deeply with people um, in fun and uh, educational and uplifting ways. And, um, you know, as I think to, to the future, um, it's an important piece of understanding our place um, within the larger fabric of community, but it also <clears throat> liberates others to dig deeper into their own historical um, uh, past and um, celebrate um, things that have uplifted over the years. To, to uplift others and really hear the from the community. Yes. I mean, the thing with... Um, COVID that that brought into focus um, is, you know, some of the accessibility uh, pieces that were always there in support of the um, accessibility community, like Zoom and having um, captions and, um, you know, looking at these uh, modalities that are including people, um, irrespective of whether they are physically in proximity to each other. And as we sort of open back up um, so many elements of life, it's important to not lose the connectivity that came from embracing those um, virtual opportunities. And so keeping that in tandem as we move forward is a really important um, piece and something that I'm quite passionate about that we look to um, accessibility and supporting um, access needs in order to welcome in um, full participation um, inside the Black and African uh, community, but in the larger community, the global community um, on, on the whole. Finding that that connection for a person who is of Black descent, African Canadian descent, who has a disability, or any African Canadian person, what's one piece of advice you would give them? Well, I would hope that that they are connected to community um, and able to reach out and feel welcome to express their access needs um, in order to participate um, to the, the level that they want to engage. I think that there are Black and BIPOC-led disability organizations, but it's also important that inside non-termed disability organizations that disability and accessibility are a featured piece and recognized as an element that must be present to invite um, equitable participation. So if your needs aren't being met, speak up, reach out to us at Hogan's Alley and um, you know, let us help connect. Uh, it's an important advocacy issue that's bigger than any one person. To speak up, reach out, and connect with others from the community, like Hogan's Alley. How can the listener find Hogan's Alley? Well, um, our website is Hogan's, with an S, Alley, society.org. And on the website, it lists uh, myself, Siobhan Barker, and other staff with our emails being listed. Um, it also shares uh, through emailing my office number. And um, please do reach out in that way or reach out to the department that best 
addresses um, what your needs are currently. Thank you so much, Siobhan, for talking with me today. It's been so enlightening to be able to talk to you and reconnect and know that there is so much more I can learn. Well, and I would say, Allison, one additional piece is that we are having a big community celebration on Saturday, February 25th, between 3 and 7 p.m. It is called Sankofa Community Celebration. Um, and the details and uh, are available on Eventbrite, um, and I believe are also available on our main website. So please do come out and celebrate those that have worked so tirelessly to daylight the significance and history and relevance of the Black community in Metro Vancouver. And it'll be great fun with delicious foods as well. I should go check that out. This has been the self-advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alison Klein. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Alison Mira. If you missed any part of this show or want to listen to it again, you can find it on anchor.fm or wherever you find your podcasts. To end out this show, let's put on our theme song, Better Miracle by Kiprios. Kiprios is a Vancouver-based rapper. Even though he doesn't have a disability, the song, Better Miracle, talks about having a better tomorrow, but not a miracle. Enjoy more programming, everyone. Today, my window, the sun came through. Today was a day I thought I'd look to my window. Felt the pain that I knew. The sun heard about it when he came to, came through. Good looking out, I needed you. Today was a day that didn't need rain. My window looked to me to make a change. The sun rising to the occasion came through. Good looking out, I needed you. Oh, 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 oh. myself I'm gonna be okay remember back then I've come a long way the dream may never ever be the same but came true get here with you and that'll do I know the road I'm on is not an easy way remember that I will define the path I take the dream yeah I'm a dreamer what can I say came true get here with you and that'll do I feel it's in my fingers I know it's in my soul now don't need I don't need a miracle just want to get a little better I feel it's in my fingers, I know it's in my soul now Don't need, I don't need a miracle, just want to get a little better oh, oh. I'm not asking for a miracle, oh, oh. just want to get a little bit better
Today is here for me to redefine Yesterday Stay in the past, I let it die In time I'll be doing fine, getting by Cause now It's the only moment mattering in life Today for the day, only the day. Yesterday, never the same, never the pain. In time, love and learn to burn it to the night. Cause now is the only moment mattering in life. I feel it's in my fingers. I know it's in my soul. Now don't need, I don't even need a code. Just one.